Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Restoration Church Podcast, where we're leading disciples to live authentic, relational, and missional lives. This is part two of our Song of Solomon series, and today's speaker is Ms. Kiersey Murphy. We hope you enjoy. Some scholars believe that this is really about multiple women, because obviously Solomon had you know, many women at his disposal. We're, we're going to make this easy and just stick with the Shulamite woman, because that's easiest. And if you have read this book before, generally it's a G-rated kind of a thing, because that's what we do here in church. And I will be honest and say that when I was preparing this, I was very nervous because there is some very um, erotic, amorous, descriptive things in here. And it's not something we generally talk about in church. And I, I was very worried about this. And I kind of took a couple steps back and it occurred to me that, you know, the world outside of this is shoving sex in our face. It's in our eyes and in our ears and it's around our children all the time and the church is surprisingly quiet about it and I think that's a, a very crying shame because if you are in a married relationship what are the two things you generally fight about? Money and sex. So why are we being so very quiet about it? And I will keep in mind that there are uh, different age groups in here and guests, and I'm not gonna be descriptive or anything, but what I am gonna do is try to give you a snapshot of what this poet has put together to talk about the joy that you can have in a, in a marital relationship. So, let's get in. So we're gonna start by just breaking it down into very simple ideas. You know, when you have a poem, poems can really mean pretty much whatever you want it to mean, right? Like, it's it's difficult to kind of find the, the true meaning. And because this was written eons ago, and in a different culture, an Egyptian-type culture, we kind of, in our Americanized modern time, we kind of have a hard, idea, hard, hard time finding that out. But we can still glean some really practical truths in here. This message is going to be geared mostly towards wives who are in a marital relationship. But um, this doesn't mean that if you are not married, this is not for you. There is still truth in here for you. And if you'll actually stay tuned for next week, that's how Lance is going to wrap this up, that this is geared towards everybody. So we're going to break it down into uh, three easy parts in here. So things to say, things to do, and things to give attention to. Nice and easy. Uh, the first thing is, um, if you look at Song of Solomon, right away, uh, the Shulamite woman, which, by the way, the man is generally um, referred to as the lover, and the Shulamite woman is referred to as the beloved. That's how I'm going to uh, refer to them here. So the, <laughs> the beloved is very specific with her praise of the lover. And in your relationship, you know, be specific with your praise of your of your spouse here. Here she talks in um, verse in chapter five, ten through sixteen. My beloved is radiant and ruddy, uh, distinguished among ten thousand. His head is the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as raven. His eyes are like doves beside streams of water, bathed in milk, sitting beside a full pool. His cheeks are like beds of spices, mounds of sweet-smelling herbs. His lips are lilies, dripping liquid myrrh. His arms are rods of gold set with jewels. His body is polished ivory, bedecked with sapphires. His legs are alabaster columns set on bases of gold. His appearance is like Lebanon, choice as a cedars. His mouth is most sweet, and he is altogether desirable. This is my beloved, and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. And she's actually talking to um, what 
could possibly be the harem that um, Solomon had at his disposal. Uh, but you see how she is extremely descriptive. Have you ever taken the time to tell your spouse all the things that you, you know, notice, notice about that? I, I haven't, but maybe I will. Lance, your beard is like little <laughs> silvery coils, and they're all over my bathroom, and I love it. <laughs> anyway, it's it's good. <laughs> um, but you notice that she's not giving specific criticisms. And I guess really, um, I'm hoping that as you hear this, it will, there will be tiny pricks that maybe will hit your heart. Are you, are you more critical of your spouse or are you more complimentary of your spouse? Are you giving compliments? Do you, do you take the time to say thank you for the things that you notice that he does? Everybody likes to hear that, right? So, you know, food for thought there. Uh, also, she's very sensual. Be sensual with your praise. Um, obviously, in a marital relationship behind closed doors, um, you know you're allowed to you're allowed to say things to your spouse. You're allowed to tell them what you think. Oh, how handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how delightful you are. Uh, the delightful here is generally talking about how his appearance makes her amorous. He he's he's good looking to her and it makes her want to be with him. And if you're in a married relationship, obviously you've already gone through those cycles, right? When you first get together and you have that first, you know, lovey-dovey crush, and then it turns into more, and then you realize you want, you want more and more. Well, that's how this is. Tell your, tell your husband that. You know, we've been married for 18 and a half years, and I had to stop and think, when's the last time I, I did that? I, I said those words. Um, in the next next passage here, chapter 2, verse 17, until the day breeze and the shadows flee, turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cliff mountains. And the imagery here is <laughs> a gazelle or a young stag was like, it was like a picture of virality. He was a man. He was a stud. <laughs> she was liking that. <laughs> you know, do you tell your man he's a stud? Chapter 1, verse 2 through 3. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Your anointing oils are fragrant. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. Everybody thinks you're a stud. But I'm the one who gets to kiss you. Next thing, be public with your praise. She's often talking to, to her lover, but she's also often talking to other people. And it's interesting to kind of see her switching her perspective. She's always like, lover, here's what you are to me. And then she turns to the other people, this is what he is. He's awesome. And so she's kind of, this is where she sort of shifted her, her perspective here. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. She is public with her praise. And this is something I think is important to stop and talk about because in our culture, it is really not, it, it's not promoted to praise our spouse. Did you ever, anybody ever watch the show Everybody Loves Raymond? Yes. I love the show, right? It's funny. Uh, character is, is uh, Raymond Barone and his wife is Deborah. And Deborah is often kind of cutting down on Raymond, and we just think it's hilarious. It's just so funny. She's always saying he's such an idiot. And I think 
every time I would watch that, it would make me cringe inside because I thought how much that is being shoved into our brains as women, that it's okay to cut down our husbands in front of other people. And if you are guilty of that, let me just caution you to say, maybe you should stop and think about that. And I got to thinking about, you know, if all the words that I said about my spouse to other people were written down in a book, would I be proud for people to read that book? Would I be proud for my kids to read that book? Because essentially I am teaching my children how to treat their spouse. So just think about that. So the next thing, um, <clears throat> things to do for your man. Smile. Chapter 4, verse 2. Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn sheep coming up from the washing place. Each of them has a twin and not one of them is missing. Which is hilarious to me. <laughs> but what does that imagery show you? She's smiling, right? She's smiling. Uh, I have to say, I actually confessed to Lance this week. I said, you know, I got to thinking, when is the last time I just smiled at you? Not because he said something funny or, you know, the kids did something funny and we were sharing it or whatever. When he walked into a room, did I just greet him with a smile? Was I happy? Was I letting him know that I was happy he was walking in the room? You know, it starts, it starts that way. So just Start there with your spouse. Smile at them. Listen to your man. Uh, in chapter 8, verse 10, when, when we're wrapping up this, this whole book, um, she's talking actually to her, her kind of like her family and her friends, and she says, I found favor in his eyes. And I think that this is, um, I think this is really important for women because a lot of us come from broken homes, um, very dysfunctional situations where we come to a marriage as broken people and we expect our husband to, um, so to speak, fill all these, these broken spots in us, these holes in us. And we, we want them to convince us. And how many times, women, has your husband said, oh, you're so beautiful, and you say, oh, no, it's a bad hair day, and I look fat in this, and I've got scratch marks, and we, we negate everything that they just said. Right? Has anybody ever done that? Okay. So what are we telling our husbands when, when they do that? When they are just declaring their, their um, adoration for us? Do they, we're essentially saying, eh, you're lying. And I don't trust what you say. And that's really, that's a shameful thing. That's a, that's a terrible thing. So I would like to encourage you that um, if you are guilty of that, which... Hello, my name is Kiersey, and I'm guilty of that. Um, learn how to take a compliment, and learn how to say two words. Thank you, exactly. And once again, if you are uh, mothers of women, of young women, who are going to at one point be in a marriage, you are teaching them how to take a compliment. And if you are parents of young men, you are teaching them how they are to treat their future spouses. So this is, this is really big stuff, guys. And if you are coming here today, and deep down inside of you, there are some broken cracks to your foundation. And I get it. I came from a broken home, and it, it, Lance, when he married me, he married a broken person. And it took a long, long time for God to mend a lot of that broken foundation. Um, your man is not to convince you of your worth. Only God can do that. 
but what he can do is validate it. So let him. So maybe just mean that you have to get out of your head. Um, let's see. So <laughs> I was looking through the internet trying to find like an image of what I thought that um, the Shulamite woman might look like. And um, I kind of thought she might look like this. A lot of the imagery that the, the lover is using of this woman, you know, she's got a veil and her eyes are doves and she's got, you know, ornaments on her face and she's like beautiful. And I thought, well, hey, if I look like that, I would feel sexy, right? <laughs> okay, well, the next slide is uh, what I really look like or what I feel I look like. <laughs> Can I get a what, what, man? I don't feel sexy. So anyway, just a gentle, <laughs> just a gentle reminder, climb out of your head and try to look at yourself the way that your husband sees. Okay. Um, last thing is, um, <laughs> this is where it's going to get a little colored. Get frisky with your man. Uh, you know, here in church, we, we really steer clear of this. I think we do a disservice because I think what happens is we are gearing towards those who are single, those who are, uh, you know, um, going through adolescence, and we say, hey, don't have sex. Don't have sexual thoughts. Are you lusting? Stop that lusting. Stop it. Squash it down. Don't do it because it leads to promiscuity and it leads to problems. Don't do it. Are you doing it? Stop it. <laughs> and then we watch them get together with a man and we see that they're you know, going to be married and then they're married and we're like, okay, now figure it out. And we're amazingly quiet about it. So, okay, here's where we're going to get real. This book is very sensual. And it talks about imagery that is allowed by God. And it may be that you're going to have to have some talks with your husband of what's allowed. But I guarantee you, your husband wants you to be sexual. He wants you to want it just as much as he does. We kind of know that, right? That's how men are created. They're, they're like the hunter-gatherers, and they conquer us, and they're like the, they're the lovers, right? The lover, that almost like has a connotation of, of he is the, uh, the pusher of the, the relationship. And we just sort of take that, you know, just accept it. That's not exactly what this book is promoting. It is a 50-50 kind of a thing. Each one, actually, it's more like 100-100 if you really want to be bare bones about it. It is both parties are actively interested. And I think that there's a lot of sexual dysfunction in church because I think it's, this is not promoted. Women, we're like taught to be these meek and quiet and genteel and, oh, I'm, I'm too holy to think about sexual things. That's terrible. That's so terrible. That's, that's like a blanket that's just being smothered all over us. And that's not the way that God created this to be. Chapter 4, verse 9, he says, You've stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You've stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. One glance of your eyes, that's the imagery of winking. She's flirting with him. Do you flirt with your man? When you were first dating, I was a terrible flirter. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> Here it is now, post 20 years. 
I have to stop and think about how, how did I first start my relationship with my, my lover? I flirted with him. I let him know I was interested. Flirt with your man. If it just takes a wink, let him know that you're interested. Interested in him. Awake, O oh north wind. Come, O oh south wind. You guys, this is such... This is so... Let's just read it. <laughs> Blow upon my garden. Let its spices flow. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its choicest fruits. Do you really need me to spell that out? I don't think so. This is in the Bible. I didn't, I didn't write this. Fifty Shades of Grey didn't write this. This was God. Turn, turn, O oh perfect one. Turn that I may stare at you. The imagery here is she's dancing for him. She's dancing to turn him on. And actually, when you read it, she is doing it because she also feels that way. And if you read that and you're kind of like squirming on the inside, oh, that's just not me. I just, I, that's not me. I, I, I can't do that. I get it. Lord Jesus, I get it. <laughs> and <laughs> I kind of was thinking about um, a modern day poem that you may be aware of by the uh, artist R. Kelly. My mind's telling me no. But my body, my body is telling me yes. Don't see nothing wrong with a little bump and grind. <laughs> you guys, yeah, poetry hour. You are allowed, you are allowed to turn your man on in any way that you see fit. If you want to get it on with your man, get it on with your man, whatever way you guys like it. Uh, the next thing, lose the yoga pants. <laughs> Appearance is um, a tricky thing. Appearance doesn't mean beauty, right? Because what is beautiful to one person is not necessarily beauty to the other. And we live in a very beauty-saturated culture. There's cosmetics and there's um, all kinds of... Um, you can buy eyelash extensions. You can grow eyelashes. Pay $79 and get eyelashes so that you can feel beautiful. Beauty is, it's just being promoted everywhere, right? So we as women, the consumer, are watching this and we're thinking, oh, well, I don't have really long eyelashes. Ergo, I must not be beautiful. And I think that we take that on and we live it out and we don't take care of ourselves and we just sort of, what you see is what you get. Well, okay, if your man is married to you and he's committed to you, he's stuck with you. It doesn't matter. but. We can make the effort, right? We can make the effort because when I was when I was first in the early days of our romance, I was gonna take care of myself. He wasn't gonna see me walk around in sweatpants. And how easy it is to say, oh, well we've said I do, we're done, I've got the ring, I can just let myself go. And it's not it's not something that I'm saying that you have to look beautiful all the time. But, you know, you heard the term dress for success? Okay, well, you're gonna dress for success? <laughs> do you wanna feel, you wanna feel amorous and randy and attractive to your husband? Then dress for it. Um, make yourself feel beautiful, women. You're allowed to do that. 
um, in verse in chapter one, verse nine through eleven. Oh, my beloved, you are a mare among the Pharaoh stallions. And Lance talked about this last week. The mare that the Pharaoh that the Pharaoh always had was a white mare, and the rest of them were stallions. He is saying, "You stand out to me. Your cheeks are beautiful with ornaments. Your neck is lovely with strings of jewels. We will make for you gold ornaments studded with silver." Well, she didn't wake up this way. Okay, she didn't wake up just looking beautiful. She took the time because she was trying to she was trying to stand out to him. <laughs> Chapter four. I'm not going to read all of this, but he he Lance said he um, he describes her toe to head, um, and he tells her all the things that he sees about her, that he sees that she was trying to, to um, show us her beauty. And the, really the very last thing I just want to point out, the very last verse, there's no blemish in you. Your man is not going to look at you and see the effort that you're trying and say, oh, it's not really good enough. I just see the flaws. I love you, but I see the flaws. That's not what your man's going to do. There's no blemish in you to your man. He sees you, and he loves you. The next thing that um, I'd like to point out is, um, is in chapter 2, verse 15. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in bloom. Did anybody ever watch Dora? Have little children watch Dora? Swiper, no swiping. Uh, I think that... Um, this could be a whole sermon all by itself. Because what this is really discussing is the spiritual warfare that is gonna go on between you and your man. And one of the uh, versions that I was reading, it, we can't really tell who's speaking to who. Was it the lover speaking to the beloved or was it the woman speaking to the man? We don't really know. But one of the versions I was reading, um, I loved it because it was the man coming to the woman. And what he's basically saying is, I need your help. I need your help because I know that I'm going to be tempted. I'm going to be tempted, and I need your help to help me to, to stay, keep our vineyards pure. And I loved that, that he was sharing that responsibility with the woman. Women, because you were paired with your men, you have a special, unique discernment that is for your man. You will be aware of the triggers. You'll be aware of the things. If you, if you feel deep down that there is something going on, this is you being told by God to catch that little fox. This isn't even just about marriage, guys. This is about your kids. There have been several times where I feel like there were little foxes running around in my children's lives, and I had to go to battle, and I had to actually speak out loud. You can't have my kids. So take this seriously. You have a spiritual responsibility to help your husband to stay pure. Because we are in such a uh, sexually promiscuous, anything goes, hedonistic society, if it feels good, do it. Women, speak up. Catch those little foxes. And the last thing, women, own this. This is for you. I think we have a tendency to think that sex is like a hobby of men, kind of like sports. I mean, women might like sports. I don't like sports, but I think we kind of think that that's men's, that's a men thing. Me, that's not me. Well, yeah, it is. It is. In chapter eight, verse five, the beloved is speaking to her lover, and she says, under the apple tree, <coughs> 
I aroused you. I did this. I wanted this. And it may be that um, that you're hearing this and you're thinking, oh, maybe I should address some things, but I don't really know where to start. I get it. Totally get it. I'd like to promote the idea that we offer death groups. Um, death groups are for same sexes, just to get together um, on a designated time where they are intentional about being authentic about their life. And if you feel like you're coming to this um, broken, broken foundations, we are here for you. And I'd like to encourage you to have some very bare bones conversations with people and starting with God. Do you think that God doesn't know your heart? If the Bible says that he knows how many hairs are on your head, if he's written down the words that you've said in a book, he gets you. He knows the problems that you are coming to this with. And if you are lugging around suitcases of sexual shame from past relationships, I am inviting you set those down so that you can free your hands to embrace your spouse. Because that is the freedom that God is wanting this to be. This is supposed to be a shame-free zone within your marriage. So please, I implore you, take some time to discuss with God about how you can own this and that you can meet your husband's needs because it's a joy, it's a gift. All right, I'm gonna pray for us and, um, and then we'll, we'll finish up here. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for the gift of marriage because really the gift of marriage is a representation of the love that you have for us. And you have been our lover. You've pursued us. And we are your beloved. And we receive that love. And we are broken people. And we come to the table with lots of issues and lots of ways that we don't get it. Would you please help us, God? Would you please come in and mend us and bend us? Would you please help us to be honest with our spouses? Would you bring sexual healing? Because there is so much negativity in regards to sex in church. Would you please help us to use this as a platform to worship you? Because you created a way that we can literally join together with our spouse. And help us this week that you would begin to speak to us, that we would listen, and that next week when we come back, we discover more about the love, the love affair that you've created with us. Thank you. Amen. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Restoration Church Podcast. If you'd like to hear more in this series or learn more about our church, you can visit us online at www.restorationchurch.us or follow us on Facebook at RestorationDCH.